0: For the Gridiron Goodies podcast. I am your host, Stephen Scott, and on today's episode, I will be previewing the rest of the Week Five slate of NFL games. I'm going to get started with the Jaguars versus the Bills in London. The supposed home team in this London matchup will be the three and one Buffalo Bills, coming off of a great win last week and riding a three-game win streak. They are favored by five and a half points coming into the game. Bills quarterback Josh Allen has been lights out since relieving himself of his jitters on week one, throwing for eight touchdowns and just one pick in that three-game span. He was able to find his favorite target, Stefan Diggs, six times, three of which were touchdowns, totaling 120 yards against the Dolphins last week. Fellow touchdown magnet, Gabe Davis, has one in each game during that win streak. Look for rookie tight end, Dalton Kincaid, to see an increase in action with Dawson Knox having limited snaps in practice this week due to a quad issue. As a Broncos fan, it was nice to see Latavius Murray, who did really well filling in for Javante Williams last year. He busted out some big runs last week. He ended the game with an eight yards per carry average, granted on just four carries. I'd like to see him get some love in this game as well. Speaking of love, Broncos country sure does miss this next man, both as a player and his presence in the city. Von Miller might make his first appearance of the year, and I really hope he does. My eyes need it, and so will the Bills defense, who will be without Greg Rousseau on the front end and also Tredavious White on the back end. The Bills defense has done a great job of putting pressure on the opposing quarterback without bringing the heat. I'd like to see if this trend continues. Matt Milano is one of the best linebackers in the game, and I want to see how his matchup against Evan Ingram in the middle turns out. My money's on Milano snagging a pick in this one. I've no magic stat on that, it's just a gut feeling. The actual home team of this one would have to be the London Town Jaguars. I wish that they would just move already. I prefer to watch them when they're in London. They seem to play better, and it's really cool seeing those stadiums full of Jags fans. They're coming off a pretty dominant win over Atlanta last week, also in London, but this team has been hot and cold all season. Trevor Lawrence is the least pressure quarterback so far coming into week 5. He had a pretty mediocre game last week against an underlooked Atlanta defense. The Bills defense will be much tougher matchup and possibly the toughest they've faced so far. I could see that pressure stat changing in this one. It also looks like they will get Cam Robinson back, in some capacity or another, after serving his four-game suspension for a PED violation. This should help the cause along that pretty decent, already, offensive line. Calvin Ridley has been really good on his return this season and looks like a smart trade by Trent Baalke and the Jags organization, as long as he can stay on the field. He hauled in the only touchdown last game and should see more targets with Zay Jones being questionable with a knee issue. Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram continue to see a good amount of targets and should be a handful for the middle of this defense. One of the biggest surprises of this team this year has been the defense led by pass rusher Josh Allen, who was a big part of the win last week. He had three of the team's four sacks and was seemingly always in Ritter's face. Trevon Walker had a decent showing and recorded the other sack last game. I think he may get another one here against the Bills if they decide to prioritize 41 above 44. Tackling machine and tip ball master, Foye Aluokun, is one of my favorite players in the league, He pretty much always leads the league in tackles and is around the ball on every single play. He's really fun to watch and I'm interested to see how he matches up with Buffalo's receivers in the middle. Andre Sisko is a ball hawk on the back end of that defense and should see a fair amount of balls come his way. I'd like to see if he can come away with one against one of those deep shots that Allen likes to take. Overall this defense is fun to watch. I'm excited for this matchup and could see this unit being a main reason the underdogs win this one. I'm taking the Jaguars over the Bills. Having already been in London for a week, I think is a huge benefit. Jet lag and time zone changes like that are a real factor. Additionally, it is possible to run on the Bills defense and the Jaguars like to run the ball more than you'd expect. If their defense can keep pressure on quarterback Josh Allen and stay in their assignments on the back end, I could see this one ending in an upset. Moving on to what I, and seemingly the entire world, expects to be a less competitive game, we have the Speed King Dolphins, favored by a whopping 12.5 points at home. Taking on the hard-to-watch, glad they're not on primetime again, oh wait, we have two more to sit through, New York Giants. This game isn't going to require as much analysis. The Dolphins have already shown what they do against a terrible defense, a category of which the Giants firmly belong. My only interest in this game is to see if the Dolphins can break the scoring record and let my Broncos off the hook as the worst performance for a team this year. The Dolphins will roll in this one, easily covering the spread. Up next, we have a kitty cat battle as the winless Carolina Panthers go into Ford Field to take on the 3-1 King of the North Detroit Lions. Detroit made a statement last game and I'm listening. They are here and they are real. That defense is scary on all levels. The defensive line has zero weaknesses. They are what I expected the commander's defensive line to be. Isaiah Bugs will park his F-10,000 in both A-gaps simultaneously and taunt running backs and quarterbacks alike. Charles Harris, John Kaminsky, Ali McNeil are all great against the run and keeping pressure on the opposing quarterbacks. Led by an absolute superstar in Aiden Hutchinson, who can do anything from anywhere on the field, this king of the jungle loves to hunt down quarterbacks and should have a feast against the Carolina offensive line this Sunday. The Carolina run defense comes into this game ranked towards the bottom of the pack, allowing an average of 136 yards a game. That spells for a messy matchup against the Lions offense who likes to run the ball to set up play action and deep bombs. Lions running back, David Montgomery, went off last game against the Packers, accumulating 121 yards on 32 carries for three touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs has proven to be a great change of pace back, running for 40 yards on eight carries. The Lions had a total of 211 yards on the ground last week against the Packers. I expect at least that, and probably more, in this game. Once this running game is established, you can bet on Jamison Williams snagging some of those play-action passes in his return from suspension. Joining fellow pass catchers Amon-Ra St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and Sam Laporta, this passing game can be just as dangerous as the running game. Jared Goff does a great job of spreading the ball around and making good decisions under pressure overall, aside from a few gaffes here and there. I really don't see this struggling Carolina team doing much against this defense. The Lions will win, but I don't see them covering the big spread of 9.5. This seems like it could be a low scoring, ball control type of game. Next up, we have the ultimate Stats Don't Matter game with this AFC North Rumble between the Ravens and the home team Steelers. The Ravens come into this game a 4.5 point favorite and both teams have a ridiculously long injury report. Both teams are well coached, and both teams absolutely hate each other. I'm really excited for this rivalry matchup. The Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews connection is alive and well. He hauled in 5 catches for 80 yards and 2 touchdowns in the Ravens' blowout victory against the Browns last week. If the Steelers managed to bottle Andrews up, Zay Flowers could very well be Lamar's go-to guy. He only had 3 catches last week, but averaged 18.7 yards per catch on 56 yards total. He has a good chance of going off in this game against the struggling Steelers pass defense. The Ravens defense on the other hand has been excellent against the pass, nabbing 3 interceptions last game. It's probably a good thing that the Steelers can't pass the ball. The run defense on the other hand allowed 131 rushing yards. This bodes well for a Steelers team that likes to run the ball. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren looked good both running and receiving out of the backfield. In the game against the Texans last week. All signs and stats point to an easy victory for the Ravens. However, I cannot count out TJ Watt, Mike Tomlin, and the fact that they are at home. You have to follow your heart sometimes on these tough AFC North matchups, and mine says the Steelers will win. Take the Steelers, plus four and a half. Next, we have an AFC South matchup between the 2-2 two two Titans and fellow 500 Indianapolis Colts. Both teams, just like their records, are similar. Both teams want to run the ball and play good defense. Both teams have studs at running back. King Henry sits atop his throne once again. He ran for 122 yards on 22 carries, one rushing touchdown, and one passing touchdown against the Bengals last week. Jonathan Taylor is set to return this week for the Colts, and even if it's not a full workload, it's still great to see him back. Both of these defenses are good against the run, decent against the pass, and can bring the pressure without bringing the house. The quarterbacks are where these teams differ. Anthony Richardson, when on the field, is extremely dynamic, both in the running game and the passing. Ryan Tannehill, on the other hand, has been extremely hot and cold this year, most likely due to the fact that he has been sacked a ton. It's hard to do your job standing in the middle of a highway. It feels as if this game is going to come down to Vrabel's coaching and Richardson's dynamicity. In these situations, I'm going with the home team. I'm taking the Colts on the money line. Next up, the two and two Texans head to Atlanta to take on the two and two running mustaches. The Falcons are favored in this one by one and a half points. I feel like the Texans are an extremely underrated team. They come into this matchup ranked ninth in pass yards allowed and tie for first in passing touchdowns allowed. None of that will matter, however, since the Falcons have their passing allergy. Their 11th ranked running game will be met with some wet noodles in the run defense. The Texans ranked 19th in rushing yards allowed and are involved in a four-way tie for last in rushing touchdowns allowed. The Texans can negate the Falcons run game with their offense, however. The Texans passing offense ranks 10th in yards and eight in passing touchdowns. Nico Collins had a huge game last week against the Steelers. He brought in 7 passes for 168 yards and 2 touchdowns. C.J. Stroud is continuing to look like the number 1 quarterback in this last draft. Jacksonville showed that the Atlanta defense can be beaten down the field last week, and I expect this to be the case in this one. I think Bobby Slowick and that offense will hit some quick scores to take away the Falcons' run game, and force Ritter to make some plays. If this is the case, I have no trust in Ritter, and I don't see this ending well for Atlanta. I'm taking the Texans to upset the home team. Next up, we have a game I'm honestly not too excited about as a Broncos fan. Ex-Raiders quarterback Derek Carr and the 2-2 two two Saints head into Foxborough to take on the 1-3 New England Patriots. This one will be quick. Mac Jones was bad last week. And so was Derek Carr. Carr was coming off an injury from the week prior. Mac Jones wasn't and has no excuse. The Patriots' meh pass defense is without rookie Christian Gonzalez for the year, but hey, JC Jackson comes in to save the day. He's been really bad with the Chargers, but was good in Bill Belichick's defense the first stint. I'm interested to see how he plays in that defense now. Matthew Judon will miss the game, so I expect to see Kamara take some runs to that side. Kamara had an okay outing last week, mostly in the passing game. I see him having a better game on Sunday. The Saints will take this one. Alright, well that's it for the AM slate. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break and then discuss the afternoon and primetime games when I return. Alright, I'm back. Next game, we have the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles flying into L.A. to take on the much surprising 2-2 L.A. Rams. What a great story the Rams have become. I feel like Sean McVay was getting overlooked this offseason. Most people, myself included, had written the Rams off. Cooper Cup goes down and all hope was lost until they found superstar in the making, Puka Nakua. He nabbed nine catches for 163 yards and a game-winning walk-off touchdown in overtime last week against the Colts. It wasn't just Puka that was holding down the fort, though. Tutu Atwell saw an increase in usage while Cup has been out and has been fairly effective. It looks like Cooper Cup will be back for this game, and I'm interested to see how his return affects that receiver room. Kyron Williams has been really good on the ground, rushing for 103 yards on 25 carries and 2 touchdowns in last week's game. He went down with a hip injury in overtime last week and was a bit of a question mark coming into this one. It looks like he'll play, but I'm not sure to what capacity. Ronnie Rivers spelled him last week and put up an average of 5.2 per attempt on 9 carries. He seems like a solid fill-in if Kyron can't take many snaps. I'm not sure if it's going to matter, however. The Eagles defense is ranked 2nd in yards allowed and 14th in rushing touchdowns allowed. It seems you could run on this defense in the red zone. If the passing game can get the Rams to the red zone, the running backs have a decent chance of running it in. Seeing as the Eagles have a passing defense ranked towards the bottom third of the league, this strategy seems feasible. The Eagles' offense ranks first in rushing attempts, second in yards, and top 10 in touchdowns on the ground. Against this mediocre run defense of the Rams, I don't see this trend ending. DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, and Jalen Hurts should all benefit from this and have a good day on the ground. The Rams' pass defense is ranked top 10 in most categories, but I don't see that stopping A.J. Brown and company. I'm going to take the Eagles and the spread. Next up, we have the extremely disappointing 1-3 Cincinnati Bengals heading to Glendale to take on the definitely not tanking 1-3 Arizona Cardinals. The Bengals come into this game favored by 3 points. The Bengals decision makers made a bad one when they decided not to sit Joe Burrow and let his calf injury heal properly. It's clear that he cannot move around the pocket like he used to, and honestly, it's putting him at an even bigger risk of further injury. To try to combat this, the Bengals seem to be relying heavily on quick passes, much like the Brady-led Bucs in his last season with them. It's ugly to watch. Seeing Jamar Chase taking slant and quick pass after pass just doesn't feel the same they may be without T Higgins as well. So buckle up for even more of that. If the Bengals are going to snap out of this funk, this is definitely the team to do it against though. The Arizona defense is bad at pretty much everything ranking towards the bottom in almost every single statistical category. You can run on them, you can pass on them and you can score. The Arizona offense, however, has been surprisingly fun to watch. Josh Dobbs, is taking full advantage of his opportunity as the main squeeze this year. He escapes pressure and hits his receivers regularly. Marquise Brown, Michael Wilson, and Zach Ertz, yes that one, are all benefiting. James Conner is still the same dude that he was in Pittsburgh, just doesn't get all the recognition that he used to since heading down to the desert. He might have a big game against the Bengals defense that just rolled out the red carpet for Derrick Henry and the Titans last week. I don't think it'll be enough though. The Cardinals will keep it close like they have been doing all season for the most part. But I think and hope that the Bengals will get right in this one. I think the Bengals take this and cover the spread. I've been looking forward to this next matchup since Sean Payton put his foot directly into the back of his throat with his comments about Nate Dogg Hackett. The 1-3 Jets are taking off to join the Mile High Club to take on the also 1-3 Denver Broncos. Both teams really want to come out of this one with a win since the aforementioned comments were made. The Jets want revenge to prove that Hackett wasn't a fool and the Broncos want to win to prove that he was. Ooh, the drama is real with this one. Despite what the nation wants you to think, Russell Wilson isn't washed up and isn't a problem in Denver this year. While I do find it awkward at times to root for the man who ripped my heart out 10 years ago, He's a Bronco now, and I go as they do. The Denver offense is actually the strength of the team this year. Russell Wilson looks like a completely different player compared to last year. He has a different level of intensity, and I love to see it. He's scrambling more and using his legs to get first downs, which he wasn't doing last year, and it's definitely opening things up. Aside from Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy doing their thing, the story here has to be the rise of Marvin Mims. The guy is a stud, and I would love to see him get more touches. With the Jets defensive back, DJ Reed, who plays the opposite side of Sauce Gardner out, I could see Mims having a big day. The passing attack for the Jets, however, is a non-existent threat, especially with Justin Simmons returning to the lineup. They rank bottom five in just about everything. Garrett Wilson is good, but he can't throw the ball to himself And I have zero faith in Zach Wilson. The running attack, however, scares me a bit. Brees Hall is undoubtedly wanting to get revenge against the team who knocked him out for the season last year, and the Broncos haven't been able to stop the run in years. I hope they can keep him bottled up, but I expect that they won't. The Broncos' run game, however, ranks squarely in the middle of the pack. With Javante Williams getting hurt early last week and being questionable for this game, I'm worried. Even though Julio McLaughlin filled in nicely and had a big day against the Bears, it still worries me, especially against the defensive front of the Jets. Quinnen Williams is going to be a problem. With the trade of Randy Gregory to the Niners and Baron Browning still out, I'm hoping we see more of Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper rushing from the edges, both of which had great games versus the Bears, against the same offensive line that sent Aaron Rodgers to the old age home. I'm hoping these two can get our pass rush back on track for the season. Denver ranks 31st in offensive plays ran, and our defense has been terrible. So when McFlinchy and the line draw dumbass false start penalties in third and short situations, you might not get another opportunity, especially late in the game. I'd like to see them be more disciplined as far as that goes. Essentially, this game is a good Denver offense versus a good Jets defense And a bad Jets offense versus a bad Broncos defense. Something has to give here. I have to go with my Broncos in this one, of course. I'm taking Denver by the spread, 2.5. Next up, we have the Chiefs at 3-1 and traveling up north to take on the 1-3 and Minnesota Vikings. The Chiefs are only favored by 3.5 this week. Kirk Cousins and this Vikings offense are coming off of a pretty rough week against the winless Carolina team. They came away with a win, but Cousins threw two interceptions and only had 12 completions for the game, two of which were touchdown tosses to Justin Jefferson, who ended the day with 85 yards on six catches. The passing offense was abysmal, but the running game with Madison and Akers wasn't. They averaged 5.6 and 8 yards per carry, respectively. On the season, however, they ranked towards the bottom in their run game. This may have just been a product of a bad Carolina team trying to figure things out. It was surprisingly the defense that won the game for the Vikings. Harrison Smith had 14 tackles and 3 sacks. He forced a fumble that DJ Wanham was able to scoop up and score. The Chiefs rank top of the league in both offense and defense, pass and run. I don't think the Vikings can keep up with the score at will Chiefs especially since they seem to figure out how to unlock Pacheco in the running game. The Chiefs seemingly always start slow and turn it on around this time of year. I fear for the Vikings that this could be the game where Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have a monster day. I'm taking the rare cover from the Chiefs. They will win by at least 3.5. Next up is most likely the most highly anticipated game of the regular season. The Sunday night game between the 3-1 Dallas Cowboys and the undefeated 49ers at home. The 49ers come into this game as a 3.5 point favorite. Now, I can't lie and say I don't have at least a little bit of a fandom leaning towards the 49ers on this one. Especially when key pieces from this team, coaching staff, and front office, in my eyes, should be here in Denver. Thanks goes yet again to you, Joe Ellis, and your Daddy Shanahan beef. Meanwhile... Baby Shanahan and this 49ers team is the most fun I've had watching football in a while. Christian McCaffrey, son of one of my favorite Bronco players of all time, Ed McCaffrey, scored three rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown for almost 200 all-purpose yards in last week's game against the Cardinals. Hmm, seems like a pretty good player. Definitely not a player the hometown team would overlook, right? While McCaffrey is steady every single game, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk take turns being dominant. Ayuk ended the last game with 148 yards on 6 catches. The game before that, Debo had 129 yards on 6 catches and a touchdown. Looks like it's Debo's turn for this game. Oh yeah, and by the way, Kittle is also on this team who can just go off at any time. Last week he woke up and chose Peace. This week I think he's choosing Violence. They will face a nasty Dallas defense however, a far cry from the defenses of the Giants and the Cardinals of which they went against previously. This will be the toughest matchup they have faced by far this season. This defense led by force of nature Micah Parsons is ranked 2nd in passing yards and 1st in passing touchdowns. They rank 16th in rush yards and 7th in rushing scores. They tighten up in the red zone and rank 1st in almost every red zone category. The matchup between the Cowboys run defense and the 49ers run offense is going to be fun to watch. The offensive side of the ball for the Cowboys has been hard to gauge at times. They looked good against the Jets in week two, not so much against the Cardinals in week three, and tore up the Patriots last week. Dak Prescott continues to do a great job of spreading the ball around, evenly distributing the ball between Lamb, Gallup, and Ferguson. Pollard and the rushing attack is always dangerous, ranking towards the top in all rushing categories. The 49ers run defense is equally as scary as Dallas' defense, but the pass defense is not. It is possible to throw on this defense, assuming that Nick Bosa and that front doesn't drag you down first. This one is a really tough pick, but I'm going to go with the home team 49ers. I truly cannot wait for Sunday Night Football this week. This next game is gonna be a real quick one. The 2-2 Packers head into the black hole versus the 1-3 Raiders. The Raiders enter this matchup as a one and a half point favorite. But as a Broncos fan, I only have one thing to say about this game. Fuck the Raiders. Jordan Love and the Packers win this game. Take the money line. Well, that's gonna do it for week five's preview. I'll try to have the recap up on Sunday night if not Monday morning, by the latest. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time.